0: Love, talk Radio. Hello, this is Leslie Gist, and you are listening to the Gist of Freedom. You can listen to all of our shows at www.blackhistoryuniversity.com, and that is on iTunes. Again, blackhistoryuniversity.com. Um. And we have a special guest here. His name is Wyatt Houston. He is formerly uh, a appraiser at the Swan Gallery out of New York for 22 years. Uh, he is also the author of 22 catalogs, one of the most educational publications that you can ever get your hands on with a bunch of illustrations. Um, so I have Mr. Wyatt on the line, and we're going to talk about Martin Luther King, Paul Robeson, the Parkland Survivors, and the song, We Shall Overcome. So welcome, Mr. Wyatt, Houston Day.
1: Uh, good, uh, good afternoon to everybody. Uh... Great.
0: And as you see, he is in demand. He's the most sought-after appraiser in a tri-state area. That's why his phone is ringing off the hook right now. He's that wasn't Oh. Okay. Okay, we got a little feedback. I
1: okay. think that's on your side, Leslie. That the, the, the <laughs> feedback. The the uh, the call I think came in. It said, that wasn't a call on my line. Oh. Okay. All right.
0: Well. Okay. Let's see. I we got some feedback. Let's see. Let me see. What can we do here?
1: I got uh, my go. microphone on speaker, so I can. All
0: right. Maybe you turn your speaker phone off or oh, your speaker mute your computer. Um, yes, just
1: mute the computer. You'll be fine. Let me see if I can get the speakers. Um, turn, turn the volume all the way down. All yeah, it's down to Zep. i trying to hear okay. what's going on. Let me see something here. Make sure the speakers are on in the first place. Or you could just go, could just go, go, in, another go in another room
0: away from the, away computer, from the computer. You'll be computer,
1: fine. All righty. I'm going to sit in my living room. <laughs> One second. <laughs> I do have some notes I wanted to bring with me. Okay. And I hear that uh, the squeal went away. All right. Okay. So let's start off
0: with uh, today is the 5th of April, and tomorrow was an important day in history. So I'll let you discuss why tomorrow, well, not tomorrow, why yesterday was
1: uh, important, April 4th. That's right. Two days after my birthday and uh, the anniversary of the Murder of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Interestingly enough, I just uh, handled and I sold a very rare placard. Uh, Probably a lot of you out there are, are familiar with a placard that was carried at the strike of the sanitation workers' strike in Memphis to which uh, Dr. King had gone to lend his support. And those placards that were worn by hundreds and hundreds of uh, workers read, I am a man. And after Dr. King was shot, the other another version of the placard was distributed and worn that said, Honor King and Racism. And some years later, a memorial was held in 1970 at the graveside of Dr. King. And signs were made for that one that said, I am a man, but it was uh, in a different configuration. So it kind of looked like uh, almost like a pyramid shape. Very, very, very rare in any case. Uh, so uh-huh. that was just coincidence that um, on the anniversary of his passing, that uh, happened to handle such an item. So, Leslie, I'm here. You want so, to lead uh, the way a with a question, bit... or
0: okay, yes, I just wanted to make sure I'm listening. I'm, I mean, you're the, one of the best storytellers when it comes to appraisers of um, your artifacts. Now, how did you? Can you divulge how you came across this rare placard?
1: I'm sorry, what is that? I,
0: How did you come across this uh the, the last artifact that you
1: uh, you well, just spoke about? Yes, this is this is one of those uh, kind of strange things about oh lord. Well, to backtrack, I was the first person I made the, the discovery as it were of the placard that read I am a man. I was Visiting with an old friend who passed not long after that meeting, named Oliver Ramsey. And Oliver was a collector of books. He was a black collector of books and manuscripts. And uh, I was visiting with him at his apartment in in New York City to gather up material for the second Swan auction that I was going to put together. The first one was in 1996, and I was gathering material together for a second auction for 1997. And Oliver had been giving me uh, like all kinds of stuff, um, great slave narratives from the 19th century, um, early civil rights material, and, and some Panther material, some great posters. <clears throat> and then we were just about done. And and Oliver said, well, I've got something kind of interesting. You may be interested in it. And out of the closet comes the placard that said, I am a man. And I, I like to have off, almost fallen down. And that's the effect it has on people. It is so strong. It really is it's a tremendous <laughs> statement. And it's an answer, if you think about it, to the old abolitionist, motto of the kneeling slave and underneath that the motto was, this was for the American Anti-Slavery Society, the motto said, am I not a man and a brother? And it seemed always to me that that statement, I am a man, was was the natural answer to that question. Now, right. so and what, I, what so about the,
0: Sojourner Truth?
1: Well, Didn't she also well, have
0: a little spin on it as well?
1: Well, let me let me conclude the the, okay. the, the circle. So mm. I took naturally. I took it to t- for the for the sale, and no one had ever seen one before. And the reason I I think it was logical is that some po- folks had saved them because the the event meant a great deal. Uh, Not just that it was a strike, and that unto itself was historic, but it was the death of Dr. King, and so a lot of people kept them. Other people simply destroyed them, and and some of them were just destroyed because of the demonstrations, and people were hitting on demonstrators. There were people with baseball bats and and axe handles and you name it. In any case, Mm -hmm. I put it in the sale, I cataloged it, and I wrote up the whole Thing on on the why and wherefore and and uh, about the strike and and Dr. King and so forth. It sold for five thousand two hundred dollars, which now, when I know what it goes for today, uh, seemed well. Then it seemed a lot of money, and uh, and it also caused quite a stir. Um, there were I about a half a dozen people at least who came to me after the sale and said find me one not so easy but mm-hmm. i did have one for the following sale and it did something like forgotten but i think about 32000 so Whoa. it started to take started to take some giant steps um, mm-hmm. now the one that i sold yesterday was a a slight variation on that. It was just configured a little bit differently so that those of you familiar with the original one, it says, I am a man. It's underlined. In this case, it says, I, and then beneath that, am, and then beneath that, it says, am man. And so if you look at it that way, the shape of it looks almost like a little pyramid. So anyway... um, I had it, one story. of the one of the people, one of the people that had approached me after the sale said, um, "Get me one. Price is no object." And I knew this this man was dead serious. He was uh, connected with a major major gallery in London, and mm-hmm. um, so I looked and I looked and I looked, and um, just couldn't turn up one of the original ones. But this one from 1970 came up. And it, in fact, I, in, I, in 22 years that I've been doing this, I've never seen another. I've seen the I Am a Man original one, but I've never seen another mm-hmm. of this one. So he okay. was very pleased. So I, I carted it into the city myself, and it was a nasty rainy day. I put it in a big one of those big plastic bags, make sure it didn't get wet. It was framed anyway. And I brought it in. Now, I could tell you a zillion stories about um, Dr. King and his papers. I had the great, great honor to appraise his papers uh, back in 2006. Okay,
0: and, before we uh, move on, I wanted to, I wanted to touch base back on the "I Am a Man" in the sojourner, in the sojourner Truth connection to the. Um, Am I not a brother in the abolitionist
1: movement? Well, that and she that mm -hmm. was uh, that was twofold. There was uh, the original little figure was a kneeling man that said, "Am I not a man and a brother?" And then the American figure was was engraved by America's first black engraver, Patrick Reason, and it was a woman instead of a man. who said, am I, a, am I not a woman and a sister? And those images appear, um, Lord, they, I've, I've seen them on stationery from the Anti-Slavery Society. I've seen them on hankies and uh, just about everything. They were very, the, the motto, the, the image was very powerful.
0: Was uh-huh. that what
1: was that what you were referring to, that Oh no, she
0: she was known to say, "Ain't I a woman?" You
1: Remember oh, that? That's right. Yes. Mrs. spin, isn't right. it? Don't
0: you think she she?
1: Yeah, no, I she think, borrowed
0: from I mm-hmm.
1: Well, it's sort of in, inside out. I think that because of the time, she oh. I think she would have. She would have definitely been familiar with that, and it was like mm-hmm. an affirmation. I think you're right. She, 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 she just reaffirmed what mm-hmm. uh, what was being said. Okay. Um, All right. So
0: now let's move on to the cell, the the Martin Luther King, estate,
1: uh, the uh cell that you you were talking about. Before I
0: interrupted you.
1: Well, it, it was actually, I appraised I it for, my client was the New York Public Library. They were one of the people who were interested in acquiring it and um, acquiring Dr. King's papers. And mm-hmm. uh, so they hired me and uh, it, it was really and truly an honor. I wish I had had more time. I was given uh, almost 10 days, a little over a week. Um, So I'd go in every morning, just at gray dawn, get in there. They'd lock me up in a room with all of his papers. And I have to say something. I've told people this story before. The thing that most impressed me, I I was familiar with with so many of the speeches. I'd been present at at some of them. And uh, so... It was just sort of a confirmation of, oh, there's that, I recognize that speech, okay, and so forth. But what no one had talked about were uh, a set of file cabinets for like the old style, today we use three by five cards, those of us who still use them at all. Um, The old days, they had bigger ones that were 5 by 7 inches. And Dr. King had um, a habit of putting down ideas, quotations, um, just little bits and pieces of data and information on these 5 by 7 cards, which he put in these File cabinets, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them, and they went from alpha to zebra. I mean, they were literally a to z, and it was it was an insight for me into how he thought that he he would be able to reach in and and pull up a quote from a Bible or a bit of information on a philosopher. Um, he was fond of a philosopher named Teilhard de Chardin. And he wrote his paper on Teilhard when he was at Boston University. Um, it was just that small thing that really. Now, got how did
0: he catalog? How did he catalog these uh, cards under
1: uh, subject or well, on both? Glad author? you asked. Glad you asked. There were some of them were under the the name of the person. He had a lot of a lot of cards on different philosophers and uh and and quotes from them, and he would he would incorporate these quotes from these philosophers, or if he it wasn't just a quote, he might use a theme from one of the philosophers, or it might be a biblical quote, and he mm-hmm. would use that as a theme to build on. Uh, for for a sermon, um, he has a, a famous sermon, the Drum Major for for God, and mm-hmm. there was a, a little card about that. Um, but it just what struck me it's sometimes
0: my favorite one. is, is
1: my it favorite really is sermon. a wonderful wonderful sermon, yes. and. And again, I believe he delivered it. I'm pretty sure I was at, at this one. It was at St. John the Divine up, up at, uh, uptown, um, mm-hmm. the cathedral of St. John the Divine. I'm pretty sure it was okay. there. In any case, a wonderful, as you hit it. It's it's very, it is really, really moving. And it was just there as drum major. And I thought, mm. drum major, you know, <laughs> pulled it out. And there were other ones that um that were his just plain historic, Dred Scott, mm-hmm. um just everything that you might imagine. But you know, sometimes the biggest things are contained in the smallest things. And right. I you know, I was looking for manuscripts for speeches and famous sermons and, and speeches and then, and then I pulled open a drawer from, from this big piling cabin. I'll never forget. They're uh, sort of a dark khaki green, and mm-hmm. there must have been oh, let's see, across the top, probably a dozen across and a dozen deep, and and hundreds and hundreds of cards. Um, now. That, can that we,
0: just, as the public, can we visit the New York Library and see these
1: cards? Oh, no, no, up? no, man, no. That, the, as a result of my appraisal, a group of business people in in Atlanta, a, a part of uh, Morehouse, and uh, and I I've forgotten the exact name, but they formed a group and they and they bought the. Uh, They bought the papers. My appraisal is thirty, thirty-three or thirty-four million. I've forgotten the exact figure. Um, But then they bought them uh, together. So part of it is uh, owned by. I think the papers are actually at Emory. Um, Oh, okay. But but the uh, it was a group of of well-off. Uh, business people and uh, and so forth. Africa, oh yes, most assuredly. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Certainly. So,
0: um, when we were talking earlier, uh, mm-hmm. we were, I was trying to force force you to share with me the parallels between Paul Robeson and Martin Luther King, and you know, I was stressing that they had so many similarities because of Martin Luther King's last March had to do with a uh, labor um a labor movement in unions, which was Paul Robinson's forte. He was he went all over the world. He used to mm-hmm. fight for uh, labor rights for
1: all right. types union. of labor. union. Right. He he is um he famous for having gone to England and he went to Wales, and Wales is where the coal miners are in uh, in England, and they were they were uh, working and living under the most terrible conditions. Uh, and uh, Robeson went there to help them. As a matter of fact, a film was made uh, about about him being there. He also went out to Michigan. Um similarly I have I have forget my notes here but bear with me one second because this is important he um he went out where are we I'm talking about strikes
0: no, while you're looking for that I'll just give the uh, audience a backdrop of um the last march uh two gentlemen um sanitation workers Uh, were killed, crushed to death, while uh, at work on a garbage Mm -hmm. truck. And that led to the um, sanitation workers going to the union and asking for help. Um, As a result, the union um, welcomed the black employees and supported them, and they uh, ended up going to the mayor. The mayor wasn't supportive. So they reached out to Martin Luther King eventually, and there was a, um, a a march of sorts. But the first march didn't really turn out the way they expected it to. There was a little riot that took place, and Martin Luther King decided to come back to reschedule. And um, during this time, his second uh, run with the, the second march before he can attend it. Like, uh, he was uh, assassinated in Memphis. So that's the backdrop, and, you know, he was part of this People's Campaign as well.
1: Right, that and, was uh, the Poor right. People's Campaign, right. Right. Uh, there so are great many... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say there are a great many wonderful posters that came out of that
0: that I had mm-hmm.
1: over the 22 years that I, I did the sales for Swan, uh, mm-hmm. Catalogs for them. I had uh, beautiful posters for the Poor People's Campaign, and um, I was about to just jump back that that uh, Robeson when he came back here went out to Mich uh, to Michigan. I think that mm-hmm. was to Marquette. Does that sound right to anybody? Uh, uh, to support a college whole- university called Marquette. Is, uh, I think so. I think that's where where he went to lend mm-hmm. his support to the the uh, miners there. I mean, mm-hmm. coal miners have always had just what an awful way of earning a living to have to go under the mm-hmm. ground and thing, and then not have uh, decent conditions and health coverage and so forth. Anyway, mm-hmm. the, the parallels. You're right. The parallels between King and Robeson. Are, are are strong on, on the labor issue, especially, and uh, I think it. Otherwise, the the parallels are political, in the sense that neither one of these men ever joined anything that was subversive or anything. But J. Edgar Hoover, as head of the FBI had it in for both men and and persecuted them uh, to the extent that uh, in trying to break their marriages up, uh, literally doing the, the ugliest things. And the, uh, the, uh, the, prob- the, the problem was that Hoover was m- maniacal. Uh, absolutely a maniac on the subject of what he called a black prophet. He was terrified that out of the black community at some point would come someone with charisma and leadership, and that scared him more than anything. And so he saw that in both Robeson and King, and in both cases tried to uh, snare them in uh, affairs with women, uh, it's a known fact that, uh, that J. Edgar Hoover put recording devices in hotel rooms of, of both men. Uh, I know from Paul Jr. told me uh, that uh, J. Edgar Hoover had put a recording device in a hotel room, recorded his father, who been to have had a, an affair with a woman, but recorded his father and then sent a tape of it to his mother, to S. Lander Robeson, who was, uh, J. Edgar Hoover felt that if he could put a wedge between both these men and their wives, that he would they would be weakened. And of course, in both cases, the women were ten times stronger than Hoover gave him credit for, and their marriage was ten times stronger than it lasted. In the case of the tape that went to Islanda, she opened the box and then just tossed it in the garbage. So on, wow. onward to other more pleasant things. Um, I think it, the, the easiest parallel to, to draw between King and uh, Robeson is on the labor front. Um, because there's so many other things going on um in terms of uh M- Martin being known for his oratory and and Robeson was really less of a a speaker as a singer, and his messages were carried through song. I grew up with. Uh, I am a musician. A lot of people out there probably know me. Um, the first half of my life was in the music world, and I grew up in a household listening to Paul Robes and songs. And my folks, as a matter of fact, were at the the uh, the concert in Peekskill, New York, that turned into a terrible riot. Uh, the car that my parents were in was turned over and set on fire. Uh, it was an amazing thing to happen in America at that time. No one could believe it. Um, but I was going to say that it's hard to find other uh, parallels in that the men were, I think, the the, the strongest connection. Is really through labor and and the ability to to draw people together, to to uh, make them feel comfortable together, and that that's really was quite something for its era to bring whites and blacks together uh, okay. under common cause. Okay, okay.
0: So um, when you talked about the the Edgar. Um, What is it, Hoover? uh, J.
1: Edgar, yeah He was the head of the FBI
0: Right, how he attacked Tried to break up the marriage I can't think about uh, Alexander Hamilton Um, They did almost the same thing With him, you know Set him up with a a woman To break up his marriage And his wife, too, was um, Very strong And, you know See, it didn't work, you know, these tricks. So they understand that their husbands are going to be attacked, and I guess they were able to stand by. But when we were on the phone earlier, we talked about the education. Um, they had similar educational backgrounds. Uh, could you talk and, about but, the outstanding and, successes of MLK first?
1: I'm sorry, uh, the parallels. About Martin his- King,
0: could you talk about about his educational background, Martin Luther King. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, can you talk about his education?
1: Well, he's... uh, I guess it's pretty vast. Um, Winding up uh, at uh, Boston University, where I met Coretta, um, Mm -hmm. I I don't... I don't see. their, their – They went to different schools. Um, of course, Robeson went to Rutgers, and uh, and the University of the World. In both cases. Uh, and he
0: went to Columbia, right? He had a law degree.
1: Yes, he's he,
0: right. He did, uh, as far as which uh, he
1: never really put him. in practice, but
0: right. At MLK didn't he enter school at a, at a college at a very young age?
1: I'm, you know, I I really I, I put my foot okay. in my mouth. I don't recall when you know how old he was when he entered uh, his, uh, like his uh, undergraduate, his you know his first uh, schooling. Okay, so but, we'll just give that. I think that uh, in both cases. The real the the parallel that I that I my experience with, with with their their writing and so forth is their enormous breadth of knowledge. Um, both men were really really widely widely read. I mean, they, they never ceased reading uh, and learning. Um, in the case of Robeson. Um, He was a a linguist and he taught himself Chinese and Russian and was able to converse in both. And Paul Jr. told me that just for fun, um, Robeson would take an American folk song, translate it into Chinese, and then translate it from the Chinese into Russian for fun. So he spoke something like uh, 15 or 20 languages and was able to to read others. Language fascinated him and uh, because of its communication. And I think that it's obvious because of those file drawers that I spoke about that Dr. King was again a, a tremendously... Um, how can I say it? Uh devoted to to reading and expanding his knowledge. And and you can see that in in pulling out a drawer and pulling up a a card on the philosopher Xenon. Or <laughs> really, I mean, that how many how many people do we know really that that ex that are constantly expanding? Their knowledge by by reading and reading and reading. It's unfortunate today that so many people are getting their information off the internet. And their hands never touch a book. Um, that is unfortunate. Because right. we're talking about two men here who never did, never were without a book. Right. Wow.
0: And you mentioned that the one difference uh you said that um paul Robinson he was a singer he he knew he he could sing, I think he spoke twenty five languages fluently, and what if
1: and he language. sang in in all of them, yeah
0: right right, okay, so that's a great segue into our next aspect of this interview, which is the song. We shall overcome. Now, I don't recall hearing Martin Luther King ever sing. Was he a singer? Did he ever sing any songs? I think a- he
1: he sang as, you know, as a member of the of the, of the church. Um, uh-huh. But but there's no parallel there. Paul Robeson had a voice that was unbelievable. I grew up uh-huh. with those records. I Grew up learning the songs. His. He had a bass baritone voice. His range was actually scary. I mean, he could he could hit low notes that would make the chandelier sh- shudder in in a room. But uh, just an amazing singer. That was how he got started. Really, his it, politics was always there, or let's say the politic of human experience and human suffering uh, was always there. His, his empathy for, for the common man, but he began as a, as a singer with a piano accompanist named Larry Brown. Um, And uh, he would tour the country and sing uh, everything from an aria, from an opera to a uh, Scottish folk song to uh, to an American song from the, from the Appalachians and um, he he recorded a number of of albums he actually recorded well over two hundred and fifty songs um, his son Paul helped him record a series that were Uh, They came out in the 1950s, I guess it would be like late 50s. Uh, And they were issued in those days, they were still using 78 RPM records. And uh, the album came out, it was called Songs of Free Men. And there were songs from people who had fought uh, against the Nazis in Germany before Hitler took over, when it when it was obvious that that the government was being taken over, there were groups of people who uh, who came together to try and fight against Hitler, and this this was a, a lot of a lot of stuff like this was going on in the world in the 1930s. 1930s, yeah. there was a tremendous amount of social change, and so. Uh, there was the Spanish Civil War, for example, where Paul Robeson went with uh, Eslanda to give support to the the troops there that were fighting against fascism. Hitler and Mussolini actually supported the Franco, who was the later became the, the leader of uh, of Spain, a fascist, a Nazi. And uh Spain was the first country to be bombed by the Nazis. Um open cities now, like what the capital.
0: Us... Okay. Um we were talking a little bit about the, the song We Shall Overcome. Do you know the history behind the song?
1: Well, I, I
0: have a chance I... to look it up?
1: Well I know that Tinsley wrote it, um and uh it's a a gospel uh song originally um kind of picked up by uh i i guess by uh, mm-hmm. i don't know whether the, the i the labor movement picked it up first um and i think that it was just was a natch and was then picked up by by the civil rights movement, but I think my I'm not mistaken. I believe it was taken up for its gospel tune, but it was taken up first by the labor movement
0: right well the, uh, I think they used it in a movement in in um, Tennessee. It was first uh adapted and sung um in one of the movements there. It was also sung at the Woolworth's counter. Now we talk about the Woolworth strike and mm-hmm. how how effective that was and and then we'll talk about parkland what was into
1: well the woolworth the Woolworth strike was uh in new york the uh the strike was in sympathy with uh where is my my notes here uh was in sympathy with the sta- the original strike out in the midwest, and I believe the hundred stores closed um in New York. Where are we but uh it just was a natural uh song we shall overcome now let me see. We're going to get sidetracked, <laughs> but it was it was an, uh, first picked up by the labor movement, and then uh, just as an unnatural picked up by uh, by the, the by the uh, civil rights movement in the 50s. That's when I first uh, heard people singing it. It was uh, 56, 57. Let me see what I got here. Mm-mm. Well, let's uh, let's move along. If anyone has a question, I'm just just pouring through my notes that. here. So
0: let's um, move on to the the last segment of of the interview, which we were talking about the Woolworths and uh, could the Woolworths strike again? and I think it was North Carolina at counter with some certainly black college and university students. And within a week or two, Woolworths lost $200,000 worth of business. Mm-hmm. So it was very, very effective. And, in that, and that leads us to Parkland, the Parkland kids today. Um, what is your take on the Parkland? should you just give us a recap?
1: Oh, yeah, what part? I what, what I I I I became seventy eight years old some by by some miracle uh, yesterday, and uh, in all my years, I was I was saying to Leslie that I was there and I marched back back when, and it was always a mixture. I was always heartened to see. That there were young people, and by young then I meant people in their twenties, my age, uh, as well as older people. But this, this, brought me to tears to see people who were fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years old out there, and so eloquent, so filled with 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 strength and the belief that what they were doing and and, and what they were heading toward trying trying to do was was going to work i i didn't i didn't see uh anything like that before this and people there were people i heard a couple of people cynically saying oh it's like the children's crusade no it is not like the the children's crusade. it's uh, an extraordinary awakening of young people, and I hope to Jesus Christ that they stay with it. Um, it's important that that the moment doesn't fade, that they carry the moment through uh, and most importantly, through November so we can get get the present uh, people out. Okay. Can
0: you just give a, a recap of what happened with the Parkland uh, survivors-turned activists?
1: Well, I I think that um, the what they went through was so terrible that it became a catharsis. Uh, it made it made a a real change in them. You could sense it in the way they spoke. Uh, that there wasn't, they weren't sounding like oh, poor me and I'm oh God and oh, blah blah blah. They sounded filled with hope. That's the mm-hmm. thing that got me. They sounded filled with hope, and and the strength. Of their brothers and sisters, and really, I I have not seen the likes of it uh, anything since the movement. And uh, you know, I I I think that uh, (coughs) pardon me, I think that the important thing here is that the machine. That grinds out the same old, same old, uh, cynical propaganda coming from places like the NRA, but it comes from other big companies too. It comes from 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 money. That's something Leslie, you and I were talking about earlier, Leslie, and that's why the the Woolworth strike worked, and that's why mm-hmm. subsequent strikes. Um, when when enough people came out, uh, worked. It even worked. I remember I remember pickets in front of mm-hmm. uh, uh, places in the, in the city as a kid, where there were six or seven people. But that it mm-hmm. meant that uh, people wouldn't cross a picket line, and uh, mm-hmm. it affected business. So.
0: Do you think that the, the young kids, the Parkland um survivors are being effective well, f-
1: with your approach
0: as far as um boycotting and you know different advertisers? I don't know if you're familiar with the
1: story oh, oh yes, already had an effect. Laura Ingram, who yeah. uh is a, a source of just awful garbage, another one like like Rush Limbaugh or Hannity or all of these people who, who preach hate. They just preach negative stuff. Um, but in the case of Laura Ingram, she stepped out too far. Kids who saw stuff that, God willing, none of us will ever have to see. Um, they saw stuff that a seasoned soldier might get to see in um Afghanistan or Iraq or, where, or Nam from my era, when you see a guy next to you get part of part of his body blown away, that's, mm-hmm. that changes you forever. And uh, these kids went through that and they came out okay. They not only came out okay, they came out strong. And when Laura Ingrams with her hateful garbage came out, Thank God the uh these companies realized what side of history they really wanted to be on. And so well, like I only think old... that is
0: a great way to end um this interview. You are always uh welcome to come on our show. I wanna wish you a happy, happy birthday.
1: Oh thank um, you, thank you.
0: <laughs> yes, and uh and that seems like I'm the one celebrating my birthday because it was definitely a gift to have you come on at, at, you know, such a short notice and you're so full of wealth. And well, I'm hoping you'll be back on soon.
1: Well, I was going to say, I, I'd love to do this on a monthly basis. Well, i we can do it out with you. Mm-hmm.
0: Perfect. I think that's okay. something we should do at this time. We need to have you on to share your, your artifacts and all your knowledge and experience because, um, this is the time. There's a time. Revo- is a rev revolution taking place?
1: There and like rev- is.
0: Yes, and um, and you have been a part of a few of them.
1: And that's a great thing, and I like listening. To,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'll tell you what. <clears throat> if mm-hmm. you uh, walk me through how to hook up uh, my uh camera on my screen camera and uh all of that skype and all of that um i can do uh i can do a couple of of shows and just show stuff from my library i've i've over 2,000 books in my library uh, most of them rare early books and it'd be it would be fun and educational i'd be happy to uh Well, well, I visited
0: you a few times when I purchased books from you. Um, And we go back a while now, since 2004, Mm -hmm.
1: 2003.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. So I can definitely shoot over there. You're, You're about a half hour away from me. And we can set up your computer, show you how to use different applications. And we can do Facebook Live. You can go on Zoom. And we'll make it happen. That's for sure. You know
1: that. That'd be fun, definitely. Okay,
0: all right. Why enjoy your birthday week, and um, we'll talk soon.
1: All right Take you want to Take give care. your
0: contact information? I'm sorry. How could I? I'm so. This is a, such an informal interview. I forgot to ask you for your contact info. Uh, okay,
1: okay. So uh, you have my e- email address, so you can you can right. just read that off to people. And uh, anybody wants to write me, I'll tell you what, if you have some uh, document or a book that you can't figure out and you'd like to know what it's about, what it's worth, you can take a couple of pictures of it and uh, send them to me. I'll give you my address. It's 18... Catherine Street C A T H E R I N E like a woman's name Catherine Street <clears throat> and I am in Nyack New York N Y A C K New York 10960 and to the extent that I'm able I'd be happy to uh, to explain <laughs> and uh, and evaluate what you have as i say to the extent that i'm able okay wow so
0: you're really giving out a lot of gifts on your birthday week
1: well that's the thing <laughs> you know that's funny mm-hmm. i'm i'm half spanish from spain and on on your birthday it's uh traditional to give out something to people so
0: wow anyway okay
1: um very- I have your
0: email. Want me to read it off?
1: Yes, please do. Okay.
0: Okay. Let
1: me go back to it. Well, I can do it now. You can
0: reach, you, you can reach Wyatt at W as in Wyatt, H as in Houston, D as in Day. That's W H D underscore S as in Sam, H as in Henry, and D as in Day underscore booksellers at yahoo dot com i'll repeat it again w h d underscore s h d underscore booksellers at yahoo dot com was I clear could you hear me
1: i heard you clearly
0: okay All <clears throat> right. okay so uh that's our show for tonight um you heard it here. We will be on monthly from this day on with Mr. Wyatt Houston Day. Um, he gave you his information, his, um, his home address, where you can mail any of your artifacts. You can also fax them to 973-616-8215. Again, 973-616-8215.
1: Don't send any original stuff. I've had people do that and misunderstand. Send me pictures, mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. and uh, right. and that's and I I really prefer picture, like hard copies uh, mm-hmm. rather than uh, well, than uh, attachments okay. uh, like P, uh, <clears throat> PDFs because they're they're just easier for me to see. And Wyatt
0: is also on Facebook. He's on Facebook as under Wyatt Day, so you can also reach him uh, on Facebook. Mm -hmm. There I am. So anyway,
1: a a late uh, Happy Easter and Happy Passover to all of you out there.
0: Okay, thank you so much. We'll talk soon.
1: Righto, bye bye. And that is
0: our show. Everyone, have a good evening. And, again, you can listen to all of our shows on iTunes at www.blackhistoryuniversity. This is Leslie Gist, and have a great week. Bye-bye, everyone.
1: Bye-bye.